Please be advised that the content in the Grave Tales podcast series is suitable for adults only. You're with Chris Adams and Helen Goltz for the Grave Tales, the series podcast. Today, from the Grave Tales, Queensland's Great South West book, The Mystery of Outlaw Dan Kelly. We all know that Dan Kelly, brother of Ned, died in the 1880 Glenrowan shootout with police. So who was the man who told a Brisbane newspaper in August of 1933 that he was Dan Kelly? Not dead, but alive, alive and well, living in Ipswich, Queensland. Yep, and the front page of The Truth certainly yelled that loud and clear. Dan Kelly declares age Bushman, thrilling confessions from the days when terror reigned. Oh, terror. When Kelly gang rode out, there's a picture of the horse and off they go. (laughs) I'd like to believe it, wouldn't you? Well, that was the claim of a man who was known around Ipswich Way as James Ryan. He was thought by most to be a swaggy bloke who'd humped his swag around the country doing odd jobs for a meal. This was in the Depression, the middle Mm. of the 30s, and so times were pretty tough. But when he made his claim of being Dan Kelly, it certainly made people sit up and take notice. He even took a stand at what people in Brisbane call the ECA, the exhibition of the local show, if you like, in 1933, and he charged showgoers to hear his stories of the things he'd done as part of the Kelly gang. Many people challenged him, but no one could completely disprove the claims that he was Dan Kelly. But could he not be arrested still and charged with those crimes? That was pointed out to him some time later after he'd had a fair bit of exposure uh, claiming to be Dan Kelly and I think he might have quietened down a bit but not a lot. So what is his story? Why did he think he was Dan and why did we think it was worth facing the newspaper? Well we all are pretty sure that we know what happened to Dan Kelly, that he died in the shootout in Glen Rowan, 28th of June, 1880, Mm -hmm. at the inn that was owned by Ann Jones. But this fellow, James Ryan, a.k.a. Dan Kelly, Mm -hmm. says he escaped from the fire rather than die in there with others, Joe Byrne uh, being one of them and Steve Hart the other, he escaped. But if my memory served me, they found a body. They did. They found two bodies, in Mm. fact, out the back of the hotel where a couple of people, which I'll get to later, who had been there when the fire was lit, said they saw the body of Dan Kelly and Steve Hart lying laid out. Yeah, Mm. already dead. But just step back, because Kelly's stories are exciting and interesting. and, And for those of us who don't necessarily know what that last battle was about and how Dan was supposed to have lost his life. Tell us what happened and what his story was and how he got out of it. Righto. Well, I think we all know that Ned set a trap for police. The northeast of Victoria at this time was just absolutely chock-a-block with police. They Mm. were extremely keen to catch the Kellys, who'd Mm. been making fools out of them, really, with the way they had been escaping custody. Some of the robberies that they'd pulled off, bank robberies in Euroa, Gerildery, and other places, and the police were embarrassed by it. They wanted uh, to catch them. So uh, there were trainloads of police coming into the northeast constantly. They had a lot of public support though, the Kellys. They did. So did the police. A Mm. lot of people thought that the Kellys were just a bunch of murderers. Mm. But Ned had set a trap for police. He was trying to turn things in his favour, trying to prevent Mm. the police from forcing the Kellys into a mistake and out into the open where they could be captured. So he had set a trap for police and the inn was where he planned to lock up all the townsfolk in Glen Rowan while his plan unfolded. The bait for this trap that he was setting was the gang itself. And to make sure the police would come after them, they set a trap by shooting dead 
a former friend of Joe Burns, a bloke who was close to the gang at one stage, close to the Kelly gang, but who was now, everybody believes, a police collaborator. In fact, is fairly sure that Aaron Sherritt, the bloke that they killed, was cooperating with the police. And that was sort of a trap, so the police would have to come into town, and when they arrived, in theory, Kelly gang would be waiting. They would. Uh, And what they had done was they had torn up the railway tracks. The shooting of Sherritt was up near Beechworth, which meant that the train would have to come through Glen Rowan to get to Beechworth. As soon as the police heard of the murder, they put a special train on its way Mm. exactly in that direction. And so Ned had taken all the townspeople into the hotel so that there could be no one to warn the train coming through Mm. that the tracks had been torn up. Mm. And that the police would then have to get out of the train there and then they'd be ambushed. Yeah, the way they'd set it up uh, was that when the tracks collapsed as the train hit it, the train would go down into a, a great ravine. Oh, wow. Uh, with all the, uh, the men brutal. and horses on board. Oh, yeah, it was a brutal plan. Oh, wow. So the train was on its way as soon as the police heard about the Sherritt murder to find the Kellys up Beachmont Way. Mm. While Ned was in the hotel with the townspeople, he made one mistake. He thought that the train would come from Vanilla, which was just one stop before Glen Rowan, so it was only a short time away. So they'd have to be ready to deal with the police after the train crashed relatively soon. What happened, though, was the train came from Melbourne, 31 hours away. And so here was Ned with all these people of the town and the rest of the boys now who'd come back from the Sherritt murder inside Jones Hotel. So, of course... Being there for that amount of time, the good stuff started to flow. Uh, There was a bit of dancing going on and some card games. A good time was had by all, waiting. The prisoners didn't seem to be totally upset by their situation. Mm. In fact, many of them were happy to have a drink with the Kelly gang. They were supporters of them, if you like. Mm, So there were two mistakes he made, really. That was the first one. And the second was that he allowed one of the prisoners, if you like, to call them that, a fellow by the name of Thomas Curnow, who was the local school teacher, he went to Kelly and said, look, my wife's not well, my kids aren't well, I want to take them home. And he let them. So the first thing that Thomas Curnow did when he got away was he went to his home and he got the implements to be able to stop the train. He got a red handkerchief and a match and he went to the railway line and he put the match behind the red handkerchief as the train was coming they saw it and stopped. And that was, was very brave of him, wasn't it? Was it was yeah. very brave of him because you know what would have happened to him. Oh, Ned had yeah. found out. Yeah. The train was stopped. The police on board were told what was going on and where the Kellys were. And, of course, it wasn't long before there was a full-blown shootout between the Kellys inside the hotel and the police outside. So those actions by the teacher are interesting because that more or less says that everybody in that hotel knew of what was going to happen, ambush in some form, and either stayed because they were fearful, stayed because they were prisoner, had no choice, or stayed because they agreed with the Kellys. There may have been others who held the same view as Thomas Curnow, mm. but perhaps they weren't as brave, mm. um, because he certainly uh, changed the situation. I mean, the train, there was no reason for it to stop yeah. at Glen Rowan as it was. The traditional story goes, Dan Kelly, Joe Byrne and Steve Hart were all killed in that shootout. Ned was shot in the parts of his body that weren't covered by armour, that is his arms and his legs and his feet particularly. He was captured and as we all know, uh, later on that year he was hanged. So it was a bizarre situation that they found themselves in. And Dan, in theory, was dead. Yeah, 
in theory, was dead, as was Steve Hart and Joe Byrne. Steve and Dan, it was claimed, were seen laid out mm. at the back of the hotel at the time the fire was lit. But it wasn't just claimed. It was a priest who identified that Dan was one of those men, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. One of them was a fellow by the name of Father Matthew Gibney, Catholic priest who would later go on to be the Bishop of Perth, who was in the area and he just wanted to see if he could help. He actually had a conversation with Ned after he'd been shot and was lying on a stretcher in the railway station. Mm. So that gives you an idea of the timing of when he was there after Ned had been captured before the fire was started. So Dan and Steve Hart were theoretically still inside. Joe Byrne had been shot earlier Mm. and died. So he was one. But then people said to him, look, you're not a a local. You don't come from this part of the world. You're just travelling through here. Mm. How would you be able to recognise Dan Kelly from anyone else? Which is a fair call. Unless the guy said to him, I'm Dan Kelly in his dying breath. Well, no, I don't think he did because the stories say that they were laid out The suggestion being, of course, and I think it was made again by Father Gibney in the inquiry later, that they committed suicide rather than let the police take them. Mm. We don't know that bit, but it was certainly what Gibney Mm. was suggesting in the inquiry. There was also another man who was claimed to have seen these two bodies at the back of the hotel. His name was Constable Dwyer, and he followed Gibney into the hotel and stated at the inquest that he was near enough to the bodies to definitely recognise Dan Kelly. Mm. As dead. As dead. As Before, yeah, yeah, as the fire was started was when those two mm. guys went in. And these bodies of these two men were buried. So up until the year that Dan Kelly walked into the Ipswich newspaper and said, I'm Dan Kelly, he's dead and buried. Yeah, they were. And there's even a photograph of two coffins. The bodies theoretically were taken to Greta, where they were buried in coffins that had been bought, I mm. think, from Glen Rowan. Joe Byrne was taken to Benalla and buried there. And when they buried... Um, Hart and Dan Kelly in Greta, they ploughed the surface of the cemetery so that no one would ever know exactly where they, where they were buried. Yeah. Mm. So that was the story, and Dan claimed later on in life that he escaped and he watched his brother Ned get shot down and taken by police. It's interesting because then when you read Dan's story, and we did a little photo merge of the young face photo of Dan and the man who claimed to be, and there's a lot of similarity there, but when you hear his story, you almost want it to be Dan Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) you reckon? Well, there's a bit of journalistic want in that, perhaps. We're all fascinated by the Kellys and have been. His story's not unrealistic. It's not, and if you take a look at what he's claiming... So what is he claiming? He's claiming that he escaped the burning building, he watched from the bushes as Ned was shot in the exposed parts of his body, Mm. Ned was captured in the early hours of that Monday morning and this is where some of the problems with Dan's story start to show up because Ned was shot down in the early hours of the morning and captured. The fire didn't happen until something like three o'clock that afternoon. Mm. So the capture of Ned was long gone by the time Dan Kelly, a.k.a. James Ryan, Mm. said he had escaped and saw that happen. Mm. Couldn't have happened. The other thing he said was that he was 79 years old And that was in 1933. So according to those numbers, he was born in the same year as the Eureka Stockade uh, in 1854. Problem was, same year as Ned was born. Mm, So that didn't add up as well. All the records show Dan was born on the 1st of July in 1861. But in fairness to him, he was 79 years old. I've got relatives that are in that age group who constantly say to me, how old am I? He may just be confused about his date of birth and year, of course. Yeah, he could. The other thing he did have was burn marks on his back mm. that he showed people at one stage. And someone suggested, and I don't know that this has ever been proven or seen in any other way, that he'd had his initials somehow burnt onto his buttocks. Mm. You didn't bit. see that yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit, just a tad before my time. <laughs> 
And so whether James Ryan and Dan Kelly were one and the same, I think, personally, is highly unlikely. There are plenty of people in Ipswich, however, mm. who don't think that's the case. Just so we know what happened, James Ryan, a.k.a. Dan Kelly, made the papers again in 1948 when he was run over and killed by a coal train in Ipswich. An ignoble death after meeting your mortal enemies in a big shootout with your brother Ned to get hit by a coal train. Yeah, he had cataracts apparently in his eyes. His night vision was poor and he may have strayed onto the railway line where the train hit him. As I was mentioning, there are plenty of people in Ipswich mm. who think that perhaps James Ryan was Dan Kelly. There's a small stone in the pauper section of the Ipswich Cemetery that says James Ryan died July 29, 1948. And it's where the man who said he was Dan Kelly is laid to rest. Since 1998, above the grave, there's a memorial made up of a shield with the words, tell him I died game in Ipswich. (laughs) (laughs) I like the armour that they wore. It looks terrific. Yeah. And you can see that in the Ipswich Cemetery. A piece of it had been stolen last time. Last time we were there, but no doubt it will be replaced. I think they're keen to see people come and have a look. It's not difficult to find in the cemetery, providing it's got that shield there. We talked about the timing errors in his story. You mentioned earlier that we, we put together three photographs. Yeah. One when he was 16, one when he was 79, blended them together. They're in the book, and it's remarkable how they fit together. Well, I was amazed because I was doing it on Photoshop how his nose and mouth lined up. You know, they really did line up perfectly. Perfect. We may never know. We may not know, but you know what? Another nice little pretty town is Glen Rowan. Yeah. yeah, last time we went there, they do all the Kelly stuff terrifically. It's full of places to go and have a look and see and the original signs. And I won't say which shop, but there was a bit of highway robbery on my diet poke. <laughs> that was truly overpriced, <laughs> but nevertheless. And there's a joint there called Ned's Pies. Not bad either. <laughs> yeah, but definitely some great little things to see there. It's an interesting story yeah. uh, and it's in our book. If you've enjoyed today's episode of Grave Tales, please consider hitting the follow us button or giving us a good rating. You have been listening to a story from Grave Tales, the series, available on paperback, ebook, and select titles on audiobook, music by Kai Engels. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or on our website. Check out our YouTube channel as well. Or put together your own group and come along on our Great Ocean Road Tour this year.